0: listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Awesome. And that'll make you feel good. Hey, uh, so I preached a sermon a few months back, a few months ago on, uh, the issue of temptation. And one of the things in that sermon I talked about is kind of this journey that I have been on as far as health, fitness, and, and trying to drop a few pounds. And, uh, so it has been quite a journey. And many of you have been kind of following that journey on social media and some different things like that. But it is exciting for me to be able to tell you, uh, today, because listen, when you preach a sermon like that, I did not realize the accountability at which you guys would hold me to. Like, I can't go anywhere, all right? I can't be anywhere at a restaurant, nothing. Someone from the churches across the table, they're like, what's he going to do? What's he going to get? He better get a salad, you know? It, like, the accountability has been crazy strong, and I'm thankful for that, but I have, I have lost 71 pounds, which is pretty sweet, pretty cool. So that's been fun, and I just wanted to give you a little update on that. Hey, this morning I am going to be asking a question today that I think is important for us to wrestle with. Uh, But the truth of the matter is is that this question is actually really simple. It's a question that we ask one another every day. It's a question that we often answer every single day, multiple times a day. We spend a lot of our day asking and answering this very simple question. And the question is this, what do you want? What do you want? We ask this question when we're rolling through a drive-thru. I haven't been been being asked that question as much lately. This question gets asked, how can I help you? What can I get you? What do you want? We ask this question uh, to one another. If someone is staring at us or they're about to say something to us, we might ask this question, hey, what do you want? You ask this question uh, to your spouse if you're working in your, in your house or you've got chores to do, if you've got some honeydews that you've got to take care of and, and your wife is just getting that look in your eyes and you're like, hey, what do you want me to do? We ask and answer this very simple question all the time. But the truth is, is that when we ask that question to somebody, what do you want as a culture, as a society, as a person, we tend to often respond to that question without much thought, and it often tends to be a little bit shallow. We respond to that question just on the surface. We rarely go a bit deeper than that. So I was asking myself this question, preparing for this sermon, of just going, all right, Chris, what are the things that you want? If someone were to really come up to you and go, Chris, what do you want. And so I brought a few of those things that I wanted to share with you that I would answer, and I'm going to throw those up on the screen. So first thing, Chris, what do you want? There it is. We are big lake people. I mean, I am getting my lake body on right now, all right? I love to wake surf. I love to wakeboard. That boat right there costs more than me and Hannah's home, all right? And if you were to ask me, that's what I want. But Chris, what do you want? What's next? I think... There could be a family or two in here that could help me finance a bad boy like that. Midnight blue Ford F-150 Raptor. I saw one driving down the other day. almost crashed. I literally, what do you want? That's what I want. What do you want? I have a two-year-old daughter named Ellie, and she is the greatest thing in the world. Uh, But boy, I would love to leave her for just a few days. You know, what I mean, Hannah and I have not been anywhere, just us two, in a couple years. She is the best, but vacation, what do you want? That's, what next? What do you want? Guys, I have been looking for that tank top for months. Cannot find it anywhere. I mean, Academy is sold out. No, man, I want to be ripped. I want to look like The Rock. I mean, amazing. All right, Chris, what do you want? Any Hall's Pizza Kitchen fans out there? I literally have had to unfollow them from Instagram. I could not follow them anymore. The temptation was way too real. And you better believe here in just a few short weeks, Hannah and I will be at Hall's Pizza Kitchen eating. I will see you there. Closed on Sundays, so now that you're hungry for it, you'll have to wait till tomorrow. But, Chris, what do you want? I love this one. You guys are like, weird. You want Timmy? That's strange. No, Timmy has a hoverboard, and one of the things Timmy does is he rides this hoverboard around the office all the time. If he's got a meeting, he zooms out of his office down the hallway. Typically, he's Bluetooth to one of Pastor Rick's sermons as he's rolling down to his next meeting. Speakers out the hoverboard, the thing is quality, but it has a weight limit, and he will not let me ride it until I lose 13 more pounds to reach that weight limit. Follow me. Social media, the day that I ride the hoverboard, you are not going to want to miss it. I am going to ride it all day long. So what do you want? These are just some shallow things that we often go to. If I were to ask you this question, you might do the same thing. And just a quick response. What do you want? Man, I would love, a, I would love maybe a new house or man, I really need a new car or whatever it is that may come for you. This question, we often go shallow. But if you were to just spend a little bit more time, just take about 30 more seconds to think about truly what do you want? There are these things that live within us that we want and desire that are kind of deep. There are these things that just kind of live in the deepness of our gut and in our spirit and our life, things that we might want. And some of those things might be things like this. Right relationships. What do you want? want-right relationships, a promotion, accomplishments, to meet a goal that I've had for a long time, to graduate, some success, maybe job security, maybe some kids, family health, financial freedom, healing, answers, people who you love to know God, and there's a million more that may live within you, these deep desires and wants that you have. You know, the thing about those wants and desires, those things that live below the surface of the material, those wants, those desires, those things start to influence the decisions you make. They start to impact the choices that you make. Those wants, those desires, they begin to point to a direction in which you are heading. And sometimes they're small decisions, sometimes they're they're small choices, but these these desires and these wants begin to put us on a path that tells us where we're going. And it puts us on a direction to tell us where we may end up. Some of you know uh, my wife, Hannah, and uh, we've been married for a while now. I just kind of forgot, maybe like eight years, I don't know, something like that. But that's besides the point. But you guys may not know this part about the story, that uh, for me, I have actually been chasing Hannah since I was in sixth grade, and that is not an exaggeration. I was at Parkland Elementary, so we went to a school called Surrey Hills Elementary, and in middle school, our elementary schools were going to combine. Very exciting time in the life of a middle school. You don't know what's going to happen. And I remember the first day of middle school. I remember walking in there, excited, nervous, not really knowing what's going to happen. I'm about to meet all these kids that I've never even seen before. I didn't even know they existed until now. And I remember seeing her. Sixth grade Chris sees sixth grade Hannah for the very first time. And I literally remember telling my, my friends, I love her. I mean, I I want her. I want her to be my girlfriend. The best part is is I never talked to her not once. Literally, the entire first semester, nothing, no words at all. I mean, way too nervous. I would try to sit close with her, but that was about it. And in February of my sixth-grade year, it was Valentine's Day, and I knew that I wanted her to be my Valentine. And so just a couple days before, I finally got the courage to go up to her. And I just said, hey, Hannah, will you be my valentine? And she goes, okay. I was like, awesome. And I didn't speak to her again. She was my valentine, though. I go home later that evening, and uh, I remember sitting there watching TV, and I'm just thinking, man, what am I going to get her? I have to get her a really good Valentine's Day present. Like, she's now my girlfriend, kind of. She doesn't know it yet, but officially she will be on Valentine's. And I've got to get her something really good. And I remember watching TV, and all of a sudden, on the TV comes an infomercial. And this lady on the infomercial is selling rings, but more specifically, birthstone rings. And I'm like, this is it. I love her, I want to get her this Valentine's ring, and her birthstone would be the month of October in the shape of a beautiful heart, and I literally did the only thing I knew to do, mom, mom, you got to get in here really quick, mom, hurry, this is an emergency, mom comes running in, what's going on, I go, mom, listen, all right. I don't have time to explain, but I have a Valentine, and I love her, and I need to order that. She goes, Are you serious? I go, Yes, I'm serious. I need to order her those rings. That's her birthstone. And she's going to love it because I love her. And my mom does the only thing she knows to do call my dad. Glenn! So my dad comes rolling in. What's going on? She's like, We got a problem. We got a situation. Chris thinks he's in love. I'm like, Dad, listen, mom doesn't get it. She doesn't understand. All right, she doesn't understand what I'm going through. Listen, I love this girl. Her name is Hannah. All right, she's my Valentine. I got to get her a present. In that moment, I'll never forget, my mom sat me down and explained to me what a ring was and what a ring meant. In sixth grade, she said, Chris, someday you will give somebody a ring, but you're only going to give that ring to one person. And I remember thinking, that's this the worst advice ever. Look, if I order now, I can get two of them. Like it's two rings for only 19 99 Like this is You are missing out on a great deal. This was uh, back before when you said the word Amazon. You didn't say Prime after. Amazon was still a rainforest back then, okay? And so there was no way that I'm getting that ring before Valentine's Day anyway. And my dad said to me, he said, come on, Chris, let's go get in the car. Let's go get her Valentine's present. I'll take you to Albertson's. I'm like, man, there's going to be some goodies there. We show up to Albertson's. I remember walking in, and my dad's like, all right, pick something out down here. And I'm like, nope, that. And he's like, we are not getting her that. I said, she needs the biggest teddy bear that Albertson sells. This thing was three and a half feet tall. He's like, whatever, just get it. I'd go the next day. I'm so excited. I'd give her the Valentine's Day present. She's excited. A couple days later, she breaks up with me. And that never stopped me. From sixth grade all the way on, I always chased after Hannah. We became really, really good friends all the way through middle school, all the way into high school, best friends. I mean, I can't even stress that enough to you. We were close. I was in the friend zone hard, okay? And I'd had these conversations with her in high school, and conversations would often go like this multiple times, Hannah. Hannah. Why can't you and I date? She'd be like, well, for one, I have a boyfriend. I'm like, yeah, that is an issue. I do forget about him often. Can't stand that guy to this day. Lord, need your help. I'm like, Hannah, I mean, come on. Like, why can't you be my girlfriend? Like, I want to date you. I want to go out with you. And she'd go, Chris, it wouldn't be that much different, you know. Even if we were dating, it just it just wouldn't be that much different. She goes, maybe maybe we'd hold hands occasionally. Yes, maybe we would sometimes kiss. And I'm like, that'd be perfect. Yes, it's exactly what I want, you know. I'm a junior in high school. One day, we're sitting in my truck in her driveway, just hanging out. And she says to me, she goes, Chris, seriously, what do you want? What do you want? I said, I I mean, I want a date, you know? I really, I really want you to be my girlfriend. I want to hold hands. I want to maybe kiss a little too. That'd be awesome. What do you want? I'm reading a story today out of John chapter 1 starting at verse 35. And I'll be completely honest with you, this story's simple. I mean there's really not a whole lot to it. This passage is simple. There's not a whole lot that, that I'm gonna have to explain or, or a whole lot that I'm gonna have to break down. This passage is simple and practical. And my prayer is that its simplicity and practicality will speak to us for the remainder of this week as we ask this question, what do you want? So John 1, verse 35, it says this, The next day, John was there, again, with his two disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? The two disciples of John, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus says, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated to Peter such a simple passage. Jesus is walking through the street. John is standing there with two of his disciples, I imagine just on the side of the road. And here comes Jesus. And I'm sure he had a little bit of a crowd following because everywhere Christ went, there was a crowd that followed him. And John is standing there and he goes, guys, look, this is who I've been telling you about. This is who I've been telling you about. There he is. There is the lamb of God right there. And his two disciples, I love it, with no hesitation, they just immediately go after Jesus and they follow him. And now here's Jesus walking down a street and he's got two guys tailing him and he literally just turns around and he says to them, what do you want? Now, this isn't unlike Jesus to ask a question like this. You're going to find out if you read through the Gospels, he often asks a question very similar to people who are in need or people who are pursuing him. He would ask these questions, what do you want? People would say, I want to see. What do you want? I want to walk again. What do you want? I I want you to come to my house. My brother's dead. And here's Jesus. Asking these two disciples, what do you want? And the beautiful part of this passage, I think, lives in the disciples' response. Because they could have responded with anything. They could have responded, Jesus, I want to I just see if you really are who you say you are. Hey, Jesus, why don't you do a miracle? Convince me that this is, this is who you are. Jesus, why don't you come to my house, and and, and I'll cook you dinner, and and you can spend time with me. But their response told Jesus everything he needed to know about their wants and their desires. What do you want? Jesus, where are you staying? Where are you staying? And in my mind, I read this passage, and I see Jesus is almost like his guard would go down. Where are you staying? And Jesus just says, okay, come. Come and see. And they followed him. And they spent the day with him until four in the afternoon. What do you want? I want to spend time with you. Where are you staying? I heard this story recently um, about these two ships. And they were taken off at opposite ends of the ocean. And one of the ships was getting set to sail. And these ships were carrying literally millions of dollars in goods and trades and and all kinds of products. And and they were taken off. And one of these ships was about to take off and, and the, the captain of the ship, he, he takes his compass and his, and his mechanism that he basically sets the course for the ship. And as he's setting the course for the ship, he has no idea that while he's setting that course, while he's putting uh, the trajectory of where they're trying to go and where they're trying to stop, he doesn't realize that his compass on that mechanism was off by two degrees two degrees, and these two ships, they set sail, and fog goes over the ocean, and it's such a dense fog that they can't even see where they're going, they're completely relying on their navigation GPS techniques, and as these two ships begin to get closer, they all of a sudden collide into one another, both of the ships sink in the middle of the ocean as they're doing this investigation and they're trying to figure out how in the world this happened, why, why did this take place, they go back and they realized that he had sh- set his ship two degrees off. You know, for many of us, we do this thing church a lot. We get in a very good rhythm Church can sometimes become a habit. It can sometimes become something that we just do. And sometimes we don't realize that we're just a couple degrees off with our wants and our desires. And you see, two degrees at the start isn't a lot. But two degrees over the course of thousands of miles puts us in a place we never intended to go. What do you want? What is your desire? If you were standing before Christ today and you had this opportunity and Jesus asked you directly, what do you want? What would you say? I think the hard truth that you and I have to wrestle with is that we often come to this place, and if we're honest with ourselves, we would rather have safety over risk. We would rather be safe than put ourselves out there. We want comfort over discomfort. We want convenience over inconvenience. We want security over insecurity. We would rather simply go to church rather than be the church. We want acceptance rather than disapproval. We want to complain rather than trust God. We want self-gratification over a life of unselfishness. We want Jesus. But we'd prefer a Jesus that has a little low expectation for us when I read this passage of Scripture, I'm quickly reminded of two disciples who knew what they wanted more than anything else. They knew that they wanted to spend time with the Messiah, and everything starts there. That the wants and desires of their life was to spend time in the presence of Jesus. Go back to the story that I told of Hannah and I. And when Hannah asked me, What do you want? I mean, Chris, what do you really want? We're there in my truck, and she says to me, Okay, Chris, what do you want? And I said, Well, I want a date, I want you to be my girlfriend. And Hannah responded to me okay okay if that's what you want if that's what you want you want to date all right we're dating let's date you and I boyfriend and girlfriend right here right now and you would think that in that moment I would have been like yes all right but I didn't in that moment I go what no no She goes, Why? That's what you want. You want a date? Let's date. I go, No, I I want you to want it too. In that moment, I came to this realization that Hannah and I were very different. You see, I wanted a girlfriend, I wanted something pretty shallow. I wanted a status. Hannah wanted God. Hannah had been in a relationship that she had gotten out of. And she had promised God at an altar. That her heart was His. And she would not give her heart away to anybody until she was married. You see, and that is something that 17-year-old Chris could never give Hannah because what I wanted was shallow. What she wanted was so deep. It lived so deep inside of her. She wanted God more than anything else. And she has lived that life every day since that moment. Her desires and her wants are pursuing a life after Christ. And it has changed everything about her. It's changed the people that meet her. It's changed the people who encounter her. It's changed the way she's lived. It's changed the way she's prayed. It's changed what she does and how she does it. You see, our wants and desires, shallow or not, they tend to shape us. They tend to set us on course. They tend to point us to where we're headed and where we're going, whether we want to go there or not. And if we're just a few degrees off, we'll end up in a place where we're asking ourselves, how did I get here? I mean, really, how did I end up here? This wasn't my plan, and I don't think this was God's plan. But I'm convinced of the fact The depth of our wants and desires are centered on knowing where Jesus is staying and being willing to accept that invitation and go and spend some time with Him. We're going to be right on course. We're going to be right on course. Nothing's going to knock us off, nothing's going to move us off course. We're headed in a direction, and it's going to be a direction and a plan in which God has for you. And it's going to change you, and it's going to change others. God first. God first. Others second. And God's going to take care of the rest. What a message. So today, I love the response of communion. Because when I look at this table, it reminds me, it's symbolic of the fact that you and I, when we take it, when we eat the bread, and when we drink from the cup, it's a reminder for you and I. Jesus is going, what do you want? I want to remember you, God. I want to spend time with you. I want to be in your presence. I want to worship you. And so servers, if you'll come forward, we're going to take communion. Don't receive this communion just as something you always do. Receive this communion as a response that maybe we just need to get a little bit back on course. That maybe our wants and desires have been just a little bit skewed. And remind yourself the deepest part of your want is to know where Jesus is staying. Will you stand and receive communion and we'll take it all together here in a moment. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org